hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Right before Jesus was crucified, he, uh, he looked at uh, Peter, and he said, Peter, he said, I'm going to, go to the, I'm gonna go to the cross. I've got to die. And the, this temple's going to die and be torn down, and he's talking about his body himself. He said, within three days, I'm going to raise that temple back up again. And Peter really knew at that point he was talking about his death. And Peter looked at him and said, Jesus, listen, I, I'm going to go with you to death. I got your back. I'm with you. Uh, uh, I'm, your, I'm, your, I'm your man. I'm your guy. I'll be here when nobody else is here. I've got you. Peter keeps going on to tell Jesus, you know, I will protect you. It's crazy that they're going to try to kill you and you're going to die, but I got you. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, he says, he says, you really don't know what you're saying, but I understand your intentions are good. I understand that you're, 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 you're great impressions of me, you, you love me, you've given your whole heart and followed after me, and I, I think it's wonderful that you're doing that, Peter. He said, but, but here's what you don't understand. Times are going to get tough, Peter. There's going to be an event happening in this next few days. And he said, but, and I know your, your zeal is for me. You're, you're, you're pumped up, you're ready to go, you're, emotional, you're on an emotional high, and, and you've seen some great things. Your, your mother-in-law's fever was rebuked by me, and we saw dead people raised. You've You've uh, healed people. You've seen you know, 5,000 people fed by two fish and five loaves and still picked up fragments and put them in baskets. You've watched me walk on water. water. Peter, in fact, you walked on water with me. And he's, and he's rehearsing all these things with Peter, and Peter's going, yeah, why, why would I want to forfeit that? And Jesus says, here's the thing. There's going to come a time real quickly that you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And Peter's looking at him like, there's no way. Come on, I, I'm, I'm your guy. But Jesus spoke to Peter, knowing an event was going to take place. And Peter, this is your sign that this is going to happen. But then he goes on to say this. He says, Peter, because that happens, he says, Satan desires to sift you like wheat, destroy your life. I mean, he, 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 he is trying to take you out. But I prayed that your faith would not fail after you've been converted. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm listening to what Jesus is saying, and I'm thinking to myself, after I'm converted, what are you talking about converted? I, I healed people. I, we raised people from the dead. I helped the, multiply the food. I, I, I mean, I walked on, Peter, I walked on water. You, you, I was there when you put the ear back on that I cut off. I mean, how can my faith not fail? I don't understand. Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. But I prayed that your faith will not fail you after you're converted. I can't help but think Peter thinking to himself, converted I left my fishing boat and family business to follow after you. I've been on the road and the rugged terrain up and down with you. We've been walking and hiding from people, running from people, going into cities that we shouldn't have been going into, talking to uh, Samaritans and people that we shouldn't even be talking to. How in the world can I be converted? What does it mean 
to be converted. But I prayed for you, Jesus said, that your faith won't fail you, even though he told him that he would deny him three times. How could a man deny him three times that walked with him in that many months, three and a half years? And Jesus look at him and tell him, your faith, I prayed for you, your faith won't fail you. It sounds to me like Jesus is saying, Peter, you're going to deny me, walk away from me, but I pray that your faith fail. So when you walked away from me, Peter, it means your faith didn't fail. That means you just denied me in those circumstances. You mean to tell me, Peter, faith didn't fail him when he was standing by the fire and they were asking him, is that your, are you with this man Jesus? And him saying, no. Three different times he was asked, are you with him? Jesus, we're going to crucify him. Are you with him? Three times, Peter, no, no. Got to the point one time, Peter starts cussing. Same guy walked on water. Same guy that took care of the ear. Same guy that fed the 5,000. Same guy that multiple miracles after miracles. Same guy that was in the midst of all of the transfiguration when Jesus took him up on the mountain and, and, and Jesus' glory was transformed into, and Peter up there going, man, this is good that we're here. The same guy that talked to Moses and Elijah on a mountain saw Jesus and them guys, those guys talking. Here's Peter, and he's saying, I don't know him. No, he's not, I'm not with him. And all of a sudden, after the third time that Peter rejected Jesus and distanced himself from Jesus, pulled away from Jesus, on the third time, the, he hears this cock crow. And immediately Peter was reminded of the words that Jesus had said to him, Peter, before that crow, you hear that cock crow, before it happens, you have denied me three times. When he heard that crow, he, he remembered, oh my God, I've just denied him three times. You remember what Jesus said? The Bible says that Peter's heart was pierced within him. He was broken to the very core. And he went and just wept bitterly, the Bible says in Matthew. He wept bitterly. Now, in, in, in my mind, Peter's hurt. He distanced himself with Jesus, but he remembered the conversation. And the conversation went like this. You're going to deny me three times, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail after you were converted. Peter had to go in a, through a conversion period in his life of where he had close, intimate relationship with the Lord. But he had to come in contact with his own humanity and realize his filth, his capabilities. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He remembered the rest of the sentence. The rest of the sentence said this, but I prayed that your faith would not fail you once you're converted. If he would have stopped right then in his mess after he had already created his mistake and, and remorse and, and guilt and condemnation and shame and, man, I, I can't believe and what people think, if he had stopped right there, his faith would have failed him. But he didn't stop right there. He remembered the next part of the conversation after you're converted. 
So Peter goes about doing his business. After his, 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 his godly sorrow, and he's crying, and he's going, how did I get myself in this place? How did I get in that relationship that's created all these problems for me? Why did I take that job and then, I, then the world fell apart? Why did I move to that city and why did I take that situation or change? Why did I, 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 and all of a sudden now your life looks around and you're going, gosh, and you become in touch with your own decisions and choices and you're looking at yourself going, how did I get myself here? What do I do? I don't know how to get myself out of here. Well, it brings godly sorrow, and godly sorrow does lead to repentance. It takes you to a place where you realize, I gotta have my mind changed. But if you stop at your mistake, when you're looking at all of your situation, even though many of it, it's self-induced, if you look at your situation and you go, oh God, and you stop right there, and you eliminate yourself from thinking forward, you will forget the second half of Jesus' statement to Peter that said, three times you're gonna deny me, but I prayed for you that your faith won't fail after you're converted. And conversion is not a one-time thing. A conversion is a place where you come to the end of yourself in a situation, and the end of your knowledge and understanding in a chapter of your life or a moment in your life and you come to that place and you say, oh, I've gone as far as I can go. I've taken as far as I can take it. I created this mess and I'm gonna have to live in this mess. I get, I, 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 I sow, I reap, I'm here. And you're beginning to look at this. But if the minute you stop right there at the consequences of your bad decisions and choices, you limit yourself from ever being converted. Conversion is what you turn from and become from your bad choices. I don't know anybody that I've ever met that's never made a bad decision. Everybody has made bad decisions. It's what comes from your bad choices and your decisions that keep you in your place or propel you forward. And the enemy and the world system and our own religious thinking has got us in a place that we Many people are sitting in a, right here, they've made bad decisions, and, it's, and, it, and it hurts, and it's painful, because it not only maybe hurt you, it hurt the people around you. Because when Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter denies him three times, Jesus' eyes are fastened on Peter. Can you imagine what Jesus was, or Peter was thinking when he's looking in the eyes of his friend? After denying him three times, looking at him going, and Jesus is looking at him saying, I told you, I told you this would happen. But Jesus didn't see just that moment. Jesus saw what was going to happen after his conversion. If he stays where he is in his mess, he gets sifted like wheat. He sits in a place where he doesn't progress, and eventually you just become stagnant and you begin to die. You rot with guilt, condemnation, and shame. And if the enemy can have you stay in right there in that place of it looks like you're just catching your breath, but in the reality, you've just lost all hope. You've lost dreaming. You've lost your creativity. You've lost the, 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 the ideas that God has for you. So that's why Jesus had to look at Peter and say, listen, Peter, I pray that your faith won't fail you after you've been converted. After Jesus resurrects from the grave, Mary comes to see Jesus at the tomb. 
she, she run, he runs into her, and he says, Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter. I call him by name because I want him to know, yeah, I saw him denying me. Yeah, he cussed me out. Yeah, he denounced me. Yes, he distanced himself from me. Yes, he blamed me. Yes, he, he, he walked with me, walked on the way. I know all of that. However, I already prayed for him that his faith can't fail him after he's converted. So remind him just as important as when he saw me when that cock crowed and he looked in my eyes and he was reminded and brokenhearted of a bad decision that he made. Go tell him that I called for him so he'll know that this is not only the moment that he was broken, it's also the moment of his conversion. I need him to know that to the cross is a painful thing, but from the cross is a life worth living. I need him to know that kneeling at the cross, you're breaking and broken and you're throwing everything out and you're pouring out your guts and your heart and you're, you try so many tears, you can't cry anymore. You've, you, you've cussed and you've spoken and you've, you don't even know what to say anymore. You've repented of things you don't even know what you've repented of. And you've, you're, you're just at your core, you're just hollow and empty and shallow and, 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 and not full of anything. And you don't feel like eating or drinking. I, I know, but Peter, that's to the cross. But now that I've been resurrected, I'm showing you a pattern of how life works. Converted from the cross. Yes. Hurry up and get it to the cross, but don't just stay there at the cross. Get up from the cross and be converted so your faith don't fail you. If you stay right here in your bad choices and your bad decisions, if you just stay humble and you're trying to walk, I'm just going to stay right here walking with the Lord. Well, the Lord is already through the cross. He's not just to it. And if you stay right here, your creativity, your dreams, your ideas, and you'll shut yourself out because you're going to try to play it safe, and it's not safe at the foot of the cross after you put, put your your mess at the cross. It's not safe. Why? Because Satan desires to sift you as wheat. And at the foot, after you've laid it out, you have to get up. And you've got to be converted so your faith don't fail you. Why, Peter? Because Peter was going to be summoned 50 days later. Up in an upper room. And the power of the Holy Spirit was going to descend upon an upper room. And Peter stood up. And said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. What you're experiencing is what Joel said in the Old Testament. Now that's a far cry, 50 days later, from a guy over here, broken, beaten, dissing himself from Jesus, messed up, and, and, and there's nobody else to blame but Peter. Peter's humanity got him in the mess. It wasn't her, it wasn't another guy, it wasn't the business partners. It wasn't the school system. It wasn't the internet. It wasn't the court system. It was Peter. And Peter owned up to it and said, I accept this. He was broken. But when Mary called for Peter on the other side of that cross and said, he called for you too, Peter straight away runs to the very one he was denying. And Peter looks at Jesus and Jesus looks at Peter and their eyes fastened again. The last time their eyes fastened was when he denied him. But he, the word that Jesus gave him was a prophetic word that let Peter know Jesus knew what he was talking about. You're going to deny me, but when you hear that cock crow, that's how you're going to know. But I prayed for you. So Peter didn't stop 
at the denial. He didn't stop at the cross where he laid it all down and said, man, all right. No, when Jesus come calling the second time, after the cross and the resurrection, Peter comes running to him. Why did he come running? He come running because he was anxious to get in that converted state where he could walk a newness of life, a way to dream again that, that was uncertain, but yet something on the inside of him caused him to want to follow after that uncertainty. He didn't know, but he knew if he stayed there, he would be de- the enemy would desire to sift him as wheat. One of the greatest tricks in the enemy, of the enemy, and he plays on our mind, is he gets you to stop at your last personal infraction. The last mistake, the last screw-up, the last mess-up, and you stop right there. And you go, but see, after you walk with the Lord a while, you realize that screw-up, even though you created it, somehow God turns and takes. The man that used his words to deny Christ was the very first voice that spoke on Pentecost to affirm Christ. The very thing that you use over here, if you stay down, you forfeit what he give you to use when you're up. See, once you learn the pattern of the cross, you learn the victory of the resurrection. But if you only see the cross as the stopping point, it really is the place to bear it all. But on the other side of the cross is a resurrection that the church as a whole has been limited in our experience. A little over 200 years ago, our forefathers in this country gathered together and had ideas and dreams and created a place that you and I are living today. They're dead and gone. But their ideas live, and we live in those ideas. I want to ask you today, after you're dead and gone, what ideas are you creating that live, outlive you And the reason 
the enemy, and the reason we don't see creation happening and, re- and duplicating and, and replenishing and all those, the reason we don't see it is because many of us have been what Peter did. We, 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 we fessed up to our junk, and we've never progressed past our junk. And as long as you're wrestling with what you did wrong, you'll never create and dream what you could do right. And you have to repent from your mess, not your actions. I'm sorry I did that. How about you sorry you thought that? Because if you hadn't thought it, you wouldn't have done it. And if you don't repent of our thinking, I don't care how many times you repent of what you did, if you still think the same way, you're going to do the same way you did. So you're constantly going to be going, I apologize for that, God. I'm sorry for that, God. I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that. How about we repent of how we see it? Peter denied him three times. He looks at Jesus. He was broken because of what he did and what Jesus said. He did. He was broken. But when the woman called him and said, Jesus, Peter called, Peter, Jesus called for you, he gets up and he sprints to the tomb. Why? He was repenting. He changed the way he thought. He got up and said, oh. He went from a dead burial to a resurrected life. A dead dream. A past three and a half years that ended in a, what looked like a farce. Our hopes were all in you, Jesus, and now look, you're dead. It looked like it ended any time. You see an end to your creativity and your dreaming and your ideas and your vision. You have stopped short of the resurrection. You have to dream. You have to have a vision. You have to have ideas. Why? Because what comes out of you? He fathers the idea and conceives it in your heart. The enemy gets you focused on the things you've done wrong and he sifts you like wheat, he aborts it at the cross. He don't mind you going to the cross, he just can't afford you resurrecting. He's okay with you living a cycle of mistake after mistake after mistake. Repent, I'm sorry I did it, go back out here, I do it again two years later, I'm back over here, God, I'm just in and out, I'm in and out, I'm in and out. He don't care if you're in and out. He don't care if you sing. He don't care if you worship. Because we've defined worship as just singing and dancing and playing before the Lord. But true worship is an intimate place when the Father sows his seed in your womb of creativity. And you impregnate something that goes from the supernatural sphere that you can't see into something that materializes into something that you can see. And then what you see outlives you. This is good stuff. We got a church, and I love the song, At the Foot of the Cross. I I sang it this morning. I love those songs. But where are those songs that take me through that? Because that's a part of the process. Don't minimize that. That's necessary. There is no resurrection without a death. 
But there are several people living in death that never experience resurrection. If resurrection becomes an option, you'll stay at the death. You can't stay there and not have an idea. You have to dream. And all of creation, all the angels of the Lord, it says it in Hebrews, hearken to the word of your voice. So when you begin to give voice to what you are dreaming and ideas that you have that come from Christ, all of creation begins to bring those things to you and don't even know they're doing it. The world calls it craziness and new age. God says this. He, looked, he said, let there be light. And there was. And he saw that it was good. He said, let me separate the light from the darkness. He saw that it was good. Huh. He had an idea. He spoke the idea into existence. And then he saw it come to pass in reality. The church has an idea. We speak it. And before it ever materializes, we've made so many mistakes in our life that we can't even see it materializing. We stop short over here in our mess-ups. And if the enemy can get you to mess up and he can get you to stay here, he'll stop you from ever seeing happen in your life, what God really intends for it to happen in your life. Every human problem in the earth today, poverty, famine, lack of food, addiction, marital issues, every relational issues, every problem is a lack of God's creation procreating. Every problem. I have never seen a man and a woman give birth to a child and it come out and them not look at that and say, oh my God even if you weren't even wanting to have a baby. And here it is. Somehow, it just attaches itself to your heart. I've watched parents that could never have children. And they, and they would ask me, they said, I, you know, we thought about adopting, but I'm just afraid, I don't know if I would adopt it. I would really have the love that I would have if I, if I had it myself. And, 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 and those are real issues that they battled. They adopted the child. And they come to me and I said, man, I see it in your eye. There's no difference. They said, I can't imagine. I didn't know a love like this existed. Why? Because they were looking at something that came up out of, wait a minute, you mean they didn't give it biological? No. But the idea and the dream that came from the father as a seed into the womb of their creativity brought forth something in the material that was reality. And it causes them heart to be melted at what they see because they know it came forth out of them. We wouldn't be here today 
for over 200 years that those cussing, some of them were hedonistic, heathen, drunkards, adulterers, sitting in a room going, we got to create a place. Home of the brave. Freedom reign. A place where it's sovereign under God. And people have responsibility of personal freedoms and restrictions. But only with nothing that's impossible under God. And they wrestled in their own humanity. You know the history, if you studied it. These are capable men of making capable, silly mistakes. Study them. Not one of them measured up to Jesus. Every one of them were just like Peter and Judas. Every one of them. None of them were perfect. But they pressed on past something that was in them, in all their imperfection to pursue something that he had placed in their heart. And since that time it's been created, people have taken advantage of their creation that came from God through them that we're living in. But who's creating today? Or are we all stopping right on this side of the cross in our own mistakes? Are we spending so much time focused on the poverty and so much time on the addiction, and so much time on the marital issues, and so much time on the diagnosis, and so much on the discovery. Are we spending so much money and energy in all of that, and no time creating? Am I focused on the sickness, or do I just bring health? Husband and wife had said to me one time, they said, man, it's been seven days, and..." We haven't fought. I just thank God for seven days of not fighting. I said, that can't be your goal. If your goal was to count the days of not fighting, you're on this side of the cross. But on the other side of the cross is when you don't count days and your home is a home of peace. You trade in not fighting for peace. Man, you don't understand. I've had a bad back for years. I know. And, and after a while, it just wears you down. And you're going, my God, I've, I've got surgeries, I've had medications, I've, I've gone to chiropractors and doctors, and, and, and it's legitimate. Just like Peter's was legitimate. It's a hurt situation. It, it, it's just, but if you're not careful, you're just going to try to get through a day where there's no pain. And you'll stop on this side. And God says, I don't want you to stop on this side. I want you over here. Whether, whether it's a surgery that heals you, or I heal you supernaturally, you still walk with health. It's not a matter of not pain. It's a matter of health. It's not a matter of not fighting. It's a matter of peace. Man, if I could just get the, the bills paid this week, get that pressure off of me, man. If I could just get those bills paid. I'm preaching to myself today. If I could just preach, get these bills off, the, maybe just get these bills. Is that the goal? Is just to manage the debt? Or is it to be over here where there's overflowing and you can press in and help somebody else that's in that mess? Are you following what I'm saying? It's, 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 here, he, if you're trying just to keep it off of you and the weight 
of your mess, the sin, the sickness, the disease, whatever it is, is on you. And you're just trying to bear it day by day. You're on this side of the cross. But I'm here to encourage you. Jesus is your intercessor. He forever didn't die to be your intercessor. He forever lives for your intercession. You see the difference? Man, Jesus died. He died for your sins. Why? So you can be converted and get into life. The enemy has tried to sift us as wheat by having us so focused on the sin and the consequences of the sin and the bad decisions and mistakes that our joy has been robbed, our future has been stripped, and we're just trying to survive little by little, hoping something out there will take away what I'm feeling in here. And I'm here to tell you, the answer is not coming out there. The answer is coming from in here. Caden had, was over at Calvin's the other evening, and they were um, skateboarding. So I go to pick Caden up, and he's carrying his skateboard, and he's limping a little bit, limping a little bit. And he gets closer to the car. He's, I'm looking at him, and I start looking at his foot. And uh, he didn't want me to see him limping. He's, he'd be nine Tuesday, you know, can't limp. So he starts walking like this. I could tell it was still hurting him like this. And I said, whoa. I said, what happened? I said, sorry. It's okay. I said, well, I'm glad it's okay, but what happened? He said, well, I went up to do a whatever he called it, some sort of trick on a skateboard. And he did it. And he came down, and he said, and it just, my ankle went like this. I said, well, what happened to Calvin's leg? And he had marks and scratches all the way down his th- And I said, what happened to his leg? He said, well, he kind of scraped and, and fell doing another, another trick. And, and I'm looking at it, and I said, oh, man. I said, here, let me have that skateboard. He said, uh, why? What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? I said, I got to put it up. He said, what, what, do you, what, what do you put? My ankle's not hurt that bad. I'm walking. I mean, it's a little sore, but I'm walking. I said, no, I got I to remove everything that would cause you to get hurt. I have to. And he went, but I like that skateboard. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you this skateboard. You can have it. I said, but you got to promise me something. No matter how bad you would ever get hurt on a skateboard, you'd never quit trying to ride the skateboard after you got hurt. He said, that's a deal. I said, so I'm giving this back to you for after your injury, not before. I'm not trying to prevent your injury. I just want to make sure you don't quit after it. He said, that's a deal. That's a deal. Gets in the, garage, out the driveway. I watch him sit in my office at the house. I look out, and he's trying that thing again. He gets up, pops that. You see it. Rolls that ankle again and gets back up. And he's walking around that thing. I look out the window, and I stand there look at him. And I said, have my hand up for the skateboard like that. Skateboard. He went, gets on that skateboard. Now, he's got little, no, he's got little tears in his eyes. Because it, it hurt. And he gets back on that thing again. I, I walked outside. I said, listen, you don't have to do it in pain. I just got to know, no matter how hard the pain is, you won't quit. 
Now come in here and let's doctor this thing. Let's put ice on it. Because I don't expect you to keep going even when you're hurting. I just, you just can't stop in your head when you get hurt. It's a deal. I hate that skateboard. I hope, he, I hope he puts it away. And he will. He's getting his football helmet out in about two weeks. But you, you hear where I'm going? Man. We're living in a time of Babylon. We are. When the world system is out of control, and we're victims at this point, it looks like, of all those out-of-control systems. And we're kind of at the mercy of the politicians that make the decisions of big government. We're at the decisions of or mercy of the people around us. But I'm going to be honest with you. we got to create. you got to create. you got to get up and dust yourself off. And you got to go further, harder, and faster, wiser, stronger than you've ever gone. It's necessary that you do. This generation, our generation, has to create a resurrected life, live in a resurrected life that we create from ideas and visions and dreams that live way out longer than us. Pastor Ronnie, if you would, Stacy, if you don't mind, girl Stacy, if you don't mind, and Todd, would you come up here for a second? I want to do something, and we're going to close just like this. We're going to pray into, and we're going to pray into all the limitations, removing all those barriers. You don't understand. I've had people call me and text me over the last few, three, four days that normally would be here today, but their life circumstances are prohibiting them from being here, and they would be here, and they're hurting, and they don't need to hurt as long as they've hurt. It's time for it to change. If we're converted people, we have solutions. We should be carrying those solutions. And I want to encourage you today, I'm just going to have them pray and Pastor Ron, if you would just close this out after they pray, then everybody can be dismissed. I just want to pray, and I want an atmosphere to shift and change in your life. And I want you just to agree with this. That's all I'm asking you to do is just agree with it. You may not know the words to say, just agree with it. And say, I'm ready. That's me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 70 or 80% of the people that, I, that are here today and watching all over the world are hearing and agreeing with what I'm saying because it affected you. I just described this in so many other ways. I'm, I'm there too. But we've got to get up. Why? Man, your kids and grandkids are needing it and depending on it. People that you don't even know are depending on it. Just where you are, I want you to bow your heads. You know, just kind of meditate or think about what the Word is saying. And as they pray, I want you to lock in and agree, and then Pastor Ronnie's going to dismiss us. What is it that you're called to be? 
Too often we think only people called into ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, you're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scragg, and I am Expression.